I am Rob B. With me, as always, is Rob D. And this is episode 159 of the Property Podcast. And we're looking at, can you invest in property from a distance? Hola a todos. Welcome to the Property Podcast. Today we are talking about can you invest in property from a distance? And there is a reason why we've decided to talk about this today. Because Rob, you have taken my lead finally after all these years and you are distant yourself. I am. I'm in sunny Portugal. Absolutely beautiful. I'm not going to try and speak any other language. It doesn't seem that many people where I am in Portugal speak the language either. Um, but it is very, very nice and I'm really enjoying the experiment. Of course, Rob, as I mentioned last week, I wasn't to be outdone. You have now landed in sunnier shores and you're in Spain. So not too far away. No, not at all. We have talked in semi-serious terms, I think, about doing the next uh, yellow team meetup in Spain because we've got an employee who's permanently in Spain. I spend a lot of time here and you're now not far off yourself. So that is one of those conversations that started as a joke. And then, oh, actually, that's quite a good idea. So yeah, we are away. Our businesses are still running. Our portfolios are not falling apart, we hope. So today we're going to talk about to what extent that's possible, desirable, and some tips and tricks to use if that's something that you want to do. And of course, you don't have to be abroad. You could just be investing somewhere that isn't on your doorstep. But our foreign adventures are going to be curtailed slightly, but for the very best of reasons, because we're flying back in for the Property Investor Show. We talked about this last week, but if you missed it, we're going to be at the Property Investor Show at XL. It's the biggest property exhibition in the UK. We're going to have a stand there. We're also going to be recording the podcast live on stage, and we're going to be having our biggest ever meetup after the event. It's going to be really, really special, and we'd love for you to join us there. If you want to do that, it's all completely free you just need to go to the propertyhub.net slash show the places are limited uh, for for the show for the meetup for the recording especially for the podcast recording there aren't very many places for that at all so if you do want to come along and see us do that on the saturday i'd encourage you to get in early ridiculously excited about this rob it's gonna be so much fun i i said last night on a on a conference call we did with our meetup leaders. I don't know if I should be really, really excited about the live podcast or really, really scared because 300 eyeballs, as I put it last night, looking at us, waiting for our every mistake, seems like a lot of pressure. But actually, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I'm really looking forward to meeting everyone at the show. And as you said, we've got a a really good venue now for our meetup which is just outside the XL, so it's perfect. So it's going to be an awesome couple of days. So we're looking forward to meeting many of you then. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. So the propertyhub.net slash show is the place to go. Okay, back down to earth with a rather more prosaic news story. Um, Let's talk about evictions briefly. This is not one of the most fascinating news stories we've ever done, but I think it is really important. It's to do with councils and the advice that they give to tenants um, when it comes to evictions. And this has been a bugbear of landlords for a long time because council's standard advice to tenants is if they are being evicted by their landlord, even using a Section 21 procedure where the landlord is basically definitely going to be granted possession unless they've messed something up, the council says to the tenant, basically stay in until the bailiffs turn up. So just let the process play out. 
So rather than leaving when the Section 21 notice expires, rather than leaving when you get the court papers and it's basically inevitable, they basically stay onto the bitter end. Otherwise, you won't get any alternative accommodation. And tenants do this because they want council accommodation when they have to leave. And they often are under the impression that they're going to get a council house. What actually happens is they end up getting put in hostel accommodation and they end up losing their deposit because that's used to cover court fees. They might even be pursued for fees by the landlord. So it's really not a great situation for anyone and it clogs up the courts. And finally, the housing minister has stepped in and told councils that they should stop doing this. Whether they will stop doing this or not, I don't know. But this story is notable, at least because it seems to be an example of a government minister listening to landlords and issuing some helpful and sensible advice. Who would have thought it? Now, this may sound like, oh, but surely that doesn't happen that often. It really does. It's it's actually quite scary that so many councils and how commonplace this piece of advice is. So as you say, Rob, a bit of sense from the government. <laughs> Week one, it's happened. Let's see if we can continue with some positive stories around the government and their ap- approach to property in the future. But it's not a bad start, so well done. So as we said, Rob and I are not in our hometowns at the moment we're not in our offices not that you have an office rob and we are still running businesses recording podcasts managing our portfolios and in my case for our mp assessing deals but we're not on site we're not looking at any of our properties we're not meeting any of our tenants we're not looking across from our staff every day so how is it possible are we just lucky is everything crumbling at home no it can be done And we're going to give you the approach you can do it with property. Yeah, we are. And as I said at the start, this doesn't have to be related to being abroad. This can just be investing elsewhere in the UK. So if you live in Southampton and you want to invest in Newcastle for some reason, then you're going to be wanting to apply some of the same principles that we talk about. Because, of course, geographically, certain things that you might otherwise do in person get more difficult. Also, we do hear from a lot of expats who want to invest back in the UK. So this is very relevant to them as well. So there's going to be lots and lots in this episode about research, about systems, about how to overcome the challenges, about what the challenges are. There's lots to get through. And we're going to approach it in roughly the same order that you would approach a property purchase. So we're going to start, Rob, with financing. So this is something that isn't going to be relevant if you're just investing remotely in the UK. But if you're an expat, this is very much a concern that you should start thinking about early. Yes, lending can be a challenge when you're based in the UK and the property you're looking to buy is in the same street as you. So being overseas can present challenges and there are restrictions on the type of lending you can get. However, it is possible. But the key here is using a mortgage broker who knows what they're doing. They might tell you they know what they're doing, but my experience is the majority of mortgage brokers tell you what they can't do rather than what they can do, and a lot of them are box tickers. Now, there are some fantastic brokers out there as well, but you need to find and make sure you're working with a mortgage broker that finds options and finds solutions rather than problems. There are also brokers who are specialists in the overseas lending market, so you can work with them as well. So not only you can work with someone who knows what they're doing, but you can work with someone who day in day out works with people like yourselves the other option to consider if you're overseas is hsbc you can't use them uh, with a broker but i know a lot of the clients i work with use hsbc go direct word of warning they are very very slow so if you're in a deal where things are moving fast not ideal however their lending 
criteria isn't as strict as some other banks and they seem to be pretty open to lending to expats so worth checking out as well but rob you said about not so relevant to people in the uk one thing i've found a nice benefit is that if you are in the south and you are investing in the north then having a broker based in the north sometimes has its benefits if they're particularly well networked they know the areas you're investing in it's it doesn't mean that you can't get a, a a mortgage with someone based down south if your property's up north. But I've just found it that working with brokers and solicitors in the north, because that's where I'm, I'm doing a lot of the investing right now, has just had a few extra benefits because they've got be- their better networked up there and they know the areas that little bit better. It's just had a few advantages. As I say, not a deal breaker, but might be a nice option to consider. Yeah, good point. Okay, well, let's move on from that and talk about something that very much affects everyone who wants to invest not on their doorstep, and that is area research. So if you're investing somewhere where you've lived for a very long time, obviously, you already know it, you know what the good areas and the not so good areas are. If you're investing anywhere away from home, you're not going to have that knowledge and you're going to need to build that knowledge up. A couple of ways of doing that. But first, I think a very important thing to say is to beware analysis paralysis. So if you're only wanting to invest within, say, a half hour drive of your home, that gives you a number of options. If you remove that constraint and suddenly say, I'm going to invest anywhere in the UK, that opens up a lot of options. And paradox of choice, when you have a lot of options, you can often end up doing nothing or you can end up going through the research process for loads of different areas, but then not take action because you're always thinking, oh, maybe there'll be somewhere else that's going to fit my criteria even better. Very, very common. So that's the first thing to say. When you get down to researching an area, there's absolutely loads that you can do remotely without being there. I've kind of I've done this so much now that I'll often do the research, then I'll later go to the area to kind of validate the research and think, oh, why did I bother coming here? It looks exactly like it did on Google Street View. And you do need to either go there yourself or have someone trusted do that. We'll come onto that in a minute. But the point is the amount of detail you can get online is amazing. Google Street View is an absolutely unbelievable tool. It's kind of amazing to think that 10 years ago it wasn't a thing um, because it's massively useful. There are also a whole number of online tools that you can use to get demographic information, to find out about the makeup of the area, to find out about prices. We do a resource of the week every single week. If you go to the propertyhub.net slash tools, all of them are listed there. Lots of them are related to research, but we'll dig out a few of the best and put them in the show notes for this week's episode which are at thepropertyhub.net slash from a distance. But then there's no point relying on what you can find out yourself when there are loads of people out there who already know far more than you do. And this is something that I used to be quite guilty of. I always used to try to do it all myself and then involve other people, ask other people far too late in the process and spend time that I didn't need to spend. Instead, if you can speak to local investors and letting agents and estate agents in your target area, then you're going to be able to use their knowledge. And if you do that early in the process, it can save you wasting a lot of time researching things that aren't going to work out. And that is where the hub, of course, is a great resource. That's where meetups are great resources. There are plenty of others, but those are just some ways that you can speak to people who can massively supercharge your area research, save you a lot of time and save you from making a lot of mistakes. I agree, Rob. Google Street View is an incredible tool. Now, there might be people here going, well, Google Street View that you can't. We're not saying just do Google Street View for your research, but it's a, it can be a huge time saver. I remember looking at a deal and on paper, the location generally was fine. The deal was very strong compared to the comparables, 
My next step was to, because I just go through the process when I research a deal, my next step was a Google Street View and the the block of apartments was next to a tyre shop and the tyres piled everywhere. So that was the end of the research. I could see why it was less desirable and it wasn't going to be the deal that I wanted. So save me a journey or save someone else a journey that I would have sent. So really, really good tool. So you've started your research, but you've got to find the deals and it can be a challenge. It's a constant complaint with property investors. Oh, where do you find the deals? Where do you find the good deals? So you could use a property sourcer. Now, RMP Property is not the only good property company out there. There are plenty of others. But what you must do with RMP and any other is do your research. Make sure you research. Just because somebody might sound good on a podcast doesn't mean they've got a good company. So make sure you do your research and validate what you think might be true. Now, we're not going to go through all the things you can do now because we've covered plenty on this. If you go to episode 122, and that's a propertyhub.net forward slash property sourcing. We'll link it to the show notes as well. Episode 122 was an episode dedicated to that about how to find a good property sourcing agent or company. Now, if you're not using a sourcer or an agent, um, that will be easier, but you can do it yourself. Of course you can. You can go direct to vendor. You can market from anywhere in the world. You don't have to be posting leaflets yourself you can arrange that to be done you can get on the phone and speak to local agents letting agents as well are an interesting source of property because everyone heads for the estate agents but letting agents have a huge network of landlords and if they're the better ones will probably be well connected and know about deals as well so make sure you don't ignore letting agents they can be a good source now of course if you're further away you could fly in or you could get the train up you could drive up to the property and view it yourself but you may wish to team up with someone who can do it for you. It may be another investor or just someone you pay with a checklist. You can outsource a lot of these things. You could send somebody in to do an infantry report on the properties. So one of the things we do now is obviously one of our team will go and look at the area and look at the properties, but will, if they're tenanted, get infantry reports done. Um, Just takes it up another level. They're not that expensive. So that might be something you want to consider as well. You can do it as part of your negotiation process. There is so much you can do, so there are no excuses for you to go, oh, I'm too far away, I just can't do the research. There's so much you can either work with experts or you do it yourself and get organised, but it's possible. A final thing I'd say on this is, linked to this, is about finding your own below market value deals, is make sure you check out our below market value course as well. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes too. I think this step is the most challenging part for investing in property remotely. And it's never going to be as easy as if you can just kind of pop around the corner and look at a load of stuff. But there is a lot you can do. I think it's a challenge because a lot of people are in the situation where they're investing maybe three hours away from where they live. They may be working a busy job. And so they're in the position where they could perhaps go up to look at properties for two Saturdays in a row, see seven places, and they pick one of those seven because it's so time consuming and so difficult for them to get the time to go and look at them in person. I think that's a real challenge. But there are lots of things you can do, like you've said, Rob, to kind of remove yourself as a constraint. And I think this probably deserves an entire episode at some point because it is a challenging part, but it doesn't need to be as challenging as some people make it. Okay, so let's say you've found that property. Now it's time to manage the purchase process from a distance. And this is another one where it's a particular issue if you're living abroad. If you're elsewhere in the UK, not such a big deal. But if you're abroad, it can be a bit more of a challenge. First of all, though, once you've had that offer accepted, if you haven't viewed it yourself, 
because you've either used a sourcer or you've used someone else locally, you can compensate for that by doing a couple of things. You can either get a report from an inventory clerk, like Rob said, or you can get a survey done on the property. Either of those things might give you more confidence if you haven't viewed it yourself. We're not saying that you shouldn't view properties yourself. We're not saying that you definitely should. Uh, we both have properties that we have never seen, but we have people who we trust who have seen them and we've seen reports on them. Having done that, as I've said, if you're abroad, things can be a little bit an more annoying in the purchase process. The big one that's annoyed me in the past is that land registry documents at the moment can't be signed digitally. So if you're abroad, then there's going to be a certain amount of hassle. There's going to be a certain amount of FedEx or other kind of postage fees. It is a little bit annoying. Also with ID, it can be a pain as well when it comes to solicitors and brokers. This is why it's helpful to have a team who you work with on everything so you don't have to keep proving your ID to various people all the time. It can be annoying, but top tip, if you sit and you deal with all that hassle by the pool, it can seem a whole lot less annoying and remind you why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah, I'm currently about to complete on my own home. I'm overseas and I'm transferring ownership from my personal portfolio to a company, so an internal purchase, and again, I'm overseas. Yes, I have to do all that type of stuff, but as you say, Rob, in the sunshine, it's a little easier. So next up, getting the property set up, you might be doing a bit of a refurb, you might be just freshening the property up a little bit. If you're gonna do this, I'd recommend, if for anything, on a larger scale, using a project manager, if you can't be there. You can coordinate this from afar, but this is one of those times where it's better to hire a professional. Yeah, okay, if you're just putting carpets in and, and painting the walls, you'd be fine. But if there's something on a larger scale, then get somebody who can look after this and make sure it runs smoothly. Invest your time in researching a project manager instead of trying to run it from afar. Because actually, if they're good, they might even end up saving you money because they can keep an eye on projects running to time. So don't rule out a project manager. If you're using a builder, get them to send you photos every day. Now, they may grumble, but most people have smartphones. It's not that hard. And if they're grumbling, you probably need to use another builder. So make sure you get them to send you photos, smartphones, a few pics. Just let them know where you're at. It'll give you more confidence and more reassurance that everything's moving as it should do. And even better... If they're up for this, get them to give you a Skype tour of what's going on. I love that idea. It's, it's one that Rob's put in. Um, not one I've seen before. That'd be quite interesting getting a Skype tour from a builder. Yeah, I have actually done it. It it, it does work. Um, and um, yeah, I've, it was actually a builder who suggested it to me. I thought that's a really good idea. Um, and I wasn't even away at the time, but it, it just saved me driving a few miles. And so, you know, if there's time to be saved, but with technology, why not save it? You should have just got out of the car, Rob. right so property is research property is bought property set up next up is letting and management and this is another area where there's a lot more flexibility than people like to think self-management from a distance is totally possible i have done it in the past but it can be a lot of effort just to avoid agent fees putting an agent in place is the obvious thing to do if you're not near the property is what most people do but that doesn't mean that you have to at all um there is loads you can do in terms of self-management you could of course use an agent to do a let only because doing viewings and all that kind of thing is going to be the more challenging part of the process remotely but if you've got someone local who can give access for viewings then you can do that yourself too absolutely loads of different options different ways of making it work 
One thing that will be essential if you're self-managing is having a good network of trades because you're not going to be able to pop around yourself. So you don't want to be in a position where a tenant reports an issue and is left for days hanging on while you ring around, find the person to come and fix it. They let them down. They then book an appointment for a week on Tuesday. You don't want that. It's really important to have a good network of tradespeople. A real challenge when you're just starting out, but it does get easier over time. And I think that's a very good reason why a lot of people do decide to use an agent because if it's a good agent it means a better experience for the tenant and also their fees start to look a lot more reasonable when you balance it out against your time doing all the ringing around and trying to find someone another thing that you can do if you're self-managing remotely tied into that is to consider getting emergency cover uh, which covers things like the boilers the electrics external doors and all that kind of thing Um, and that means that tenants won't be left without a fix if you don't have reliable trades yet so emergency cover policies like all insurances look brilliant until you need to claim on them and at that point you realize that they can be not quite as good as they were first made out to seem When they do work, though, they are brilliant because the tenant just gets a phone number. They call that number. Someone comes out. They sort it. You don't hear about it until after it's done. And if you've got enough cover, then it doesn't cost you anything either. I've in the past saved over £500 on boiler repairs using a policy that costs me £5 a month. It involved a little bit of prodding to get them to actually pay out, but it did work. So it can be a really good option if you don't have that network of trades just yet. Now, of course... You could just use a letting agent. That could be a a lot easier. But like we mentioned before, putting your research and time and effort into doing the due diligence and making sure that your letting agent is a good one. So there's a lot of work there. You may want to consider a letting agent, but it's up to you. As Rob said, it is possible. And Rob, you've done it. So if you're abroad or you travel a lot, there are certain little hacks, tech things you can do. And of course, we couldn't leave an episode without talking some sort of tech to make your life easier. One of the easy wins, actually, and and Rob, you've done this while you travel, is using a mail forwarding service. Really simple, very cheap. You'd think, oh, that sounds a bit fancy and expensive. Even if you're using it on a small scale, it's actually surprisingly cost-effective. So check out the scanning services where they can just open your mail and forward it onto you if needed. Really, really good. We've talked about Evernote in some depth before, um, but you can scan paper straight into Evernote or into Google Docs, wherever you prefer. Uh, Evernote's got some really clever things you can do with that. And again, there's a course on the Property Hub, which we'll link to in the show notes. Absolutely free, of course. And you can learn all about Evernote there, but super tool. And you can train the people you work with, whether that's trades, letting agents, whoever you work with, to communicate with you over email. You can have a dedicated email to your property work and get them to email you there instead of trying to call you at inconvenient times. And then we've talked about Skype already, but if you are overseas, you can set up a Skype number for very, very little money, a couple of pounds a month, and then you can speak to them via Skype without all the high fees. Another simple approach, but all these little things add up to make your life a lot easier. Yeah, they do. And I think the big benefit of being remote is that it forces you to do certain things that would be a good idea, even if you were living next door to your property investment. It forces you to develop efficient systems, doing some of the things that we've just talked about and plenty more. And we go into some of that on the course. And it also forces you to delegate because it's always tempting to be like, oh, if you want a job doing properly and you'll just go around and do it yourself. 
But if that option is taken off the table, it means that you have to delegate, which is generally a good idea anyway. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is that it involves putting trust in other people. So building a network of the right people is absolutely essential. But again, that is a good idea anyway. So the fact that you're forced to do that is no bad thing. And obviously, we've got lots of resources to help you with doing that. Now, this might all sound like a lot more work than just investing on your doorstep. But as we've said before, you don't have to invest away from where you live at all. But there's no reason why you have to invest on your doorstep either. The chances that you live in the absolute best location for your strategy is pretty remote. So if you remove that constraint, it opens up so many more options to you. And of course, if you are able to have the freedom to travel and to go wherever you want, whenever you want, that is pretty awesome as well. So lots in there. We talked about loads and loads of links during the course of that discussion, and they're all going to be linked from the show notes today, which are at thepropertyhub.net slash from a distance. Coming up, we've got our resource of the week, and we'll let you know what's happening next week. But before we do, let's take a moment to admire the fine, outstanding gentleman that is Johnny Jockstrap, who's left us a review on iTunes. Not convinced it's his real name. I've been on the property market for almost a decade, and I've decided to get up to speed and start investing again in 2016. This podcast has proven itself to be invaluable in my re-education, and for that, I am extremely grateful. Well, thank you, Johnny. We're extremely grateful for your review. We do like a review, don't we, Rob? We love a review, and if you haven't left one for us yet, please, please do. We would love to read it out on the show in the future. So... Resource of the week time. Now, Matt Elder, he's done it again. He came in with a a resource a few weeks back. And Rob, he's been in touch and he's unearthed another gem. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. This is another great contribution. Matt has pointed us towards an app called iAuditor iAuditor. It's an app. It works on iPhones and it works on Android as well. And this is really relevant to what we were talking about earlier when we're talking about getting other people to go and do inspections for you. Because basically what it is, it's just a tool that allows you to put together checklists that people can do from their phone or their tablet. And you can customize it in loads of different ways. It's got loads of pre-existing templates on there. So you might be able to find one that suits your purpose. Or you can just create your own Um, You can have questions and tick boxes and people can upload photos at different points as well. So what it means is that if you find someone to go and do, say, property viewings on your behalf, you can put together a checklist for them and they can just work through that list. So it means that you're guaranteed to get all the information that you want. I've had a little bit of a play with it and it is really, really good. It's free for personal use. Um, Then there are paid tiers for if you want bigger teams and stuff like that. But I think it's well worth digging into if you are looking at getting people to go and do things on your behalf. We use something similar for property inventories within Yellow, uh, which has been really, really useful. But this one has a lot more flexibility for different purposes. So I iAuditor will link to it, of course, in the show notes. Thanks, Matt. Awesome resource there. Appreciate you sending that on to us. Next week, we are back with another podcast. I'm sure that would come as a surprise. But of course, you should be interested because next week we're going to look at a topic that uh, it seems to come up quite a lot Rob a lot of people have this ambition to be a full-time property investor or landlord but we're going to actually look at it and say well should you aim to be a full-time property investor or landlord it might not be what you perceive it to be it might be awesome but we're going to look in it some detail and really come up with the answer 
Should it be for you? Now, there's lots we can cover on that, and I think it'll be a really, really interesting topic. I say this most weeks, but I can't believe we're getting to episode 160 next week, and it's something we've not discussed, because so many people have that aim, that ambition to be a full-time property investor. So it'll be really interesting to have a bit of a chat about it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Now, also next Thursday, it is Meetup Day, the first Thursday of every month. It's always Property Hub Meetups. This month, Rob, we've got 30 taking place across the UK and beyond. It's unbelievable, given we only started last, what, October or something like that? So they're happening all over the shop. Chances are there's one near you. Completely free. You just need to book your place. So if you go to the propertyhub.net slash meetups, you'll see the full list of all the meetups that are going on next week and you'll be able to book your place. Definitely recommend you doing that. And also there's the Property Investor Show. Like we said, if you'd like to come and join us in London for that one in April, the propertyhub.net slash show is the place to go to get your free tickets. And many of the meetup leaders will be at the show as well. So you can get a double win. You can meet your leaders in your particular areas and other areas. We found, Rob, meetup tourists who go to different meetups each month. I, I quite like that. I mean, we do it, but it's uh, it's really nice that people are taking advantage of having meetups in different areas if they travel. So really, really cool to see that happening. So lots of resources this week. So make sure you go to the show notes, which are at thepropertyhub.net forward slash from a distance. That's from a distance. Make sure you go to thepropertyhub.net forward slash show as well to grab those tickets. A couple of them are limited, the podcast live show and the meetup. We can only provide what the capacity allows us. So if you're going to get on those tickets, get on them quick. And remember, your property show ticket can be found there as well, which is absolutely free. It'd be a really great day. If you do miss the tickets for the live podcast, don't don't despair. We will be allowing people in on the day um, via a queuing system. So don't think, oh, I've missed the boat. Make sure you come down anyway for that. But until next week, Rob, or Tuesday, when we're back with Ask Rob and Rob, that's us done. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Property Podcast. For show notes, all our past episodes, and to leave a review, go to thepropertyhub.net slash podcast. 